Oh, so good to be with you guys. I'm home. I'm home. Um, God brought me back, and I am so excited to be with you. Um, as Pastor Britt said, um, man, uh, it's been a really sweet season in Santa Barbara, but I um, feel like this is home. feel like this is where God kind of, uh, man, used me. And um, in the years during youth ministry here, me and my wife still say that they're one of our, the best years of our life when we were in CARP. Uh, five to ten years ago, um, doing youth ministry with a lot of you guys in here, families and some of the kids that were in the youth group at that time. So we are so honored and so blessed. Um, but I am back in the promised land, Carboneria. So excited to be here. Um, before we kind of get into what we'll be doing today, let me pray for us. Thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness and for your goodness. God, thank you that you are our good shepherd and you lead us beside green pastures and still waters. Even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you are with us and your rod and your staff, they comfort us. We thank you, Lord, that you made the heavens and the universe and all the earth and all that it contains, but simultaneously that you are intimately acquainted with all our ways. And that you know our inward being and, our, and you formed us in our mother's womb. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't haphazardly just put us into this life, but you lead us and you've given us your word and your spirit and you speak to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you have plans and purposes for all of us. And we thank you for um, using us. We're humbled to be used by you, Lord. It would have been totally and completely more than enough for you just to die on the cross and save us. But the fact that you have us enter in to, in partnership with you to the building of your kingdom is incredible. So God, we're thankful for what you're doing. We're thankful for what you've done. We ask, Lord, that you would get all the glory and all the credit today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I kind of have a, a twofold goal of today, or reason why, why I'm doing this, why we're spending a Sunday kind of telling you the whole story. The first part is just to involve you on what God's done, and prayerfully that you would walk away today just giving God all the credit, because I have. It's not anything that I've done. Um, there's nothing in me today that it's like, wow, look at that. It's God. It's God doing it and speaking and leading. And my prayer and hope is that you would see that. This would be a testimony of God's goodness. And as you walk out the doors, that you would say, wow, look at the God we serve and the God that, we, that, that loves us and cares for us. And my hope and prayer is that you come away with Jesus today. And the reason why I'm doing this and testifying to that is really what uh, Psalm 9 says. Psalm 9 verses 1 and 11 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will tell of all your marvelous works. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. Um, I want to involve you guys so that you too can have ownership of what God is calling us to do as a church. Right? This is my story, but it's our story, and it's in God's story that this is happening, right? This is God doing it with us. My second hope today would be to spur you on in what God is leading and calling you to do, right? This is just what's happening in mine and my wife's uh, life and us as a church. But 
all of us, in, in one way or another, is called to something, right? You, you're married, you're called to your spouse, and you have kids, you're called to your kids, and you have a job in your community and the place you live in, and there's even more that God has for you in this life. And my hope would be that you would be encouraged today and allow it to speak to you and apply to your life, you know, to ask God and listen and obey where he is leading you. One thing I will say as a precursor is that this is my story and how God spoke to me. Um, and my wife. And it's pretty crazy. It's prophetic. There's a lot of confirmation. There's all these incredible stories that we want to hear and we want to give credit to God for. But I do want to say that God doesn't always do that this way. God doesn't always speak in the same ways. We we know this, but what I want to make sure is that, um, that we're not making today or how God spoke to me a benchmark. Like, don't come away today and going, I need God to speak to me in that way in order for me to do that. That's, that's not it at all. And we all know that. God, God calls us and a lot of times tests our faith in different ways. Sometimes it's really clear the way in which we should go. Oh, doors have opened. God's word says it, aligned with all this other stuff. Okay, got to do it. And sometimes it's, it's pretty vague, right? Sometimes we're just like, I think that's the Lord's will. And God wants us to step out in faith and trust him when we don't know, right? That, that's, that's so God. And um, what I want us to do is I want us to remember that God has plans and callings for all of us. I mean, he does. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 tells us this. It says, for by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, praise God. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one would boast. For we all are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God already already has good things in store for each and every one of us. And it's our job just to walk faithfully into them. That's it. He's done it all. We don't have to strive to, 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 to do this. God has already done it. He's already laid it out before us. And what I will do today is I'll tell you the highlights. I'll tell you the different ways in which God's spoken. Um, I wish I had like 14 hours because I'm, I'm telling four years in like 45 minutes. You know, see, see that? But I will tell you the highlights and the different ways the Lord's spoken over these last four years. But what I will say is that the destination really has been the journey. Or the journey has been the destination. People say that, right? The journey is the destination. And man, God is all about the process. And I cannot reiterate that more. That, that he's all about the process of getting us to a certain place or, or to do a certain thing. You know, for, for a lot of us, we would love if God would give us this nicely wrapped, all-inclusive package that told us the next 5, 10, and 30-year plan. And we didn't need anything else. And God, I'll do it. You just tell me everything and I'll do it. We would love that. Don't you, haven't you prayed that before? God, just tell me everything, and then I'll do it. He, usually, if not always, he never does this because, for one reason, if he did, if he told you everything, then you would no longer need to ask him for anything. You wouldn't trust him. You wouldn't be dependent upon him. But when we don't know everything, and when God just allows us to see dimly through a glass or there's little breadcrumbs, so to speak, that we're to follow. And okay, Lord, I think this is the way you're leading me. It it develops a culture of, you know, dependence and and relying upon the Lord and seeking the Lord and communion with God. 
But more often than not, God doesn't speak to us, right, in, in those ways. He, he brings us into a process, a process to discern his will for our lives. And uh, <clears throat> I can't even, you know, quantify the amount of fruit that has come from the work that has, that has been done in me and my wife in this process. I mean, some of it has been really, really hard. But looking back at these last four years, I wouldn't trade this work for, for, for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And even if we didn't go plant a church, it, it would have been so fruitful for God to, to use and speak and, and, and do the work that he wanted to meet in, in his life. And, and on that note, you know, God has given us his word. And if there's one thing we know about his word, his word is his will or his will is his word. It's a good thing to remember. Because if we're ever wondering, what's God's will for my life? It's all in his word. It's all here. And there's enough in it to fill a lifetime. Just obey and follow Christ according to his word. Find Jesus in the pages of scripture and do what he says. But also he's given us his spirit. And he speaks and leads to us in different ways in accordance to his word. And, and, we'll, and we'll see that a lot today. We'll see God doing incredible prophetic things and him moving and speaking in, in, in incredible ways. And hope it's the encouraged, encouragement to you. But before we begin, church, I want you guys to just really embrace the process that God has you in. Embrace it. Don't always be living for what's next or next year or when I get married or when I get that job or when I make. If you're always living there, you'll never see what God's doing here. So I want to encourage you today, as kind of frustrating the process can be sometime, that when God has us wait, God is working. When we're waiting, God is working. And no, and no doubt, God has incredible, crazy things for all of us. I mean, following Jesus, I like to say, is like riding a roller coaster without seatbelts. You're just holding on tight. Okay, Lord, really? Okay, really? Oh. Just, just, just dependent and relying upon him. And I, and I just want you to embrace that. I want you to embrace right now what God is doing in you now. It's so important. But back to the story. So uh, I was the youth pastor here, like I said, and... Um, is incredible. And God was calling us as a church to start Reality Santa Barbara. And I really felt called to be a part of that. And my thought was, hey, I'll go for about six months and then come back to good old Carp and um, God will raise up people there. Well, four and a half years later, I'm here. Um, it's, it was a little longer than six months, but God, God saw that fit and it was really good and it was meant to be. But in the first few months of Reality Santa Barbara, when I, when I knew that it wasn't going to be a short stint, that it was going to be a long-term service, um, I became very unsettled. It just, just didn't really feel like I was supposed to be there. It was hard. Uh, I didn't have a lot of, you know, confirmation. I just was kind of like doing what I was doing. I was doing setup and teardown at the gym. It was just, it was so hard every Sunday that, you know, I, I just began to just pray like, God, what are you having me do? I mean, I just cannot see myself doing this for much longer. I'm just going to burn out. And uh, the idea though, we began praying, we began seeking the Lord and this idea of church planning just would, would come up out of nowhere. You know, people would say it and uh, in our prayer times, in our devotional times, um, you know, this is the right around the, the end of 2011, the beginning of 2012. And you just couldn't shake this thing about church planning. And one day, um, I was on a trip with a friend of mine, 
Michael Stoltz, back there. Uh, he's Carol Stoltz's son. Carol Stoltz is, uh, oversees our women's ministry. He's up spearheading the women's retreat right now. I was driving with him, and I was just telling him about what God's doing. I'm, I don't know what God's doing. And uh, he said, well, you know you're supposed to plant a church, right? I was like, wait, what are you talking about? He's like, my mom had a dream. My mom had a dream that you're supposed to plant a church. So what, what's the problem? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I just didn't know about this dream. I mean, but it was in the season of like not shaking the, the, the church planning thing. So my mom had a dream. I was like, wow, okay, I, I got I to gotta pray about this. Uh, a month later, so this is like March of 2012 right now, uh, I spoke at Perspectives. Perspectives is uh, one of the classes we offer here. We're offering it this fall. Perspectives on the World Christian Move- Movement. You should take it. It's amazing. I was speaking at that class, and it was about the uh, kind of the saints of old, all the missionaries and pioneers of the gospel that had gone forth into all these incredible places that the gospel had never been heard, and all these incredible tales of their lives. And I, I love that kind of stuff. I eat missionary autobiographies for breakfast. Like, I just, just, just can't get enough of men and women before me going out and, and um, spearheading and pioneering the gospel. And I came home from that. I went home, talked to my wife, and, and she just said, hey, I really sense that, that God is speaking to me, that, that you're one of those guys, that we're to go out and pioneer, and you're, we're supposed to start a church. And this was like that defining moment that we've been praying for several months. Hey, we're supposed to do this. And um, I wrestled with this a bit because I've been around all these church plants and I've been a part of reality for a long time and I got to know all the guys. And uh, I wrestled with this because I'm just so different than all those guys. Like, for instance, like the tightness of my jeans. It's just, I just, they're too baggy, right? These hip guys going to these hip cities and no, I love them all. Um, (laughs) I'm just different, though. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like them, and that's okay. That's good. But even when it came to, you know, who they were and, and even the cities that we have planted churches, and I, I love those cities, um, but I don't want to, like, live there. I like to go visit them. And, you know, in the church planning world, there's um, people are recently, you know, I don't want to say it, but people are just going after, like, hip cities, you know, like New York, Chicago, Portland. I want to do that, and I'm like, take them. Take those cities. Take them. I'll go visit. You can go play. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to a church there. I, 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 don't, I just can't see myself there. And God can change your heart, and he can do that. But growing up here at Reality, our, my heart's and my wife's heart's always been torn. It's been overseas missions and church planning, and we've been involved in those things, and we've seen God's heart for them. Um, but that was a little bit of an issue because we were looking at all these cities, and not only were we just not feeling like we fit, but also just not feeling like, that was really what God was doing. And so we, at first we maybe thought it was like a London type place, right? Where it's this like English speaking city in the other side of the world because I can't learn the language. So it's got to be English speaking, but it's a global city. And maybe we can, you know, kind of meld the two of, of church planning and overseas missions in a city like that. Um, and so we were talking about this. This is the same night after Perspectives. And my wife threw out a few random places. But if we know God, God's not random, right? There's nothing random when it comes to the Lord. So she throws out these places, though, that were really random for me. They were really, you know. Uh, at first it was, hey, well, thinking in line of with our hearts, what if we, what if we start a church in, uh, I don't know, somewhere close in San Diego? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I like San Diego, but I, I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't want to plant a church and then she's like, okay, okay, what about Miami? And I'm like, no, too crazy. I can't, I can't do it. Too much. I can't do it there. Too, I can't do it. And then she was like, what about Honolulu? 
I was like, Honolulu? I'm like, at the first two, I was like, no, Honolulu, when it came up, I actually began to get a little, like, kind of was like a little frustrated. And even like a little angry. I'm like, Honolulu? No, because in my mind, what I said to her and what I thought was, I'm never going to be the Hawaii guy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. And this is why. My own perception, I am the Hawaii guy. Now, my own perception and other, I felt like other people's perception was going to be, and it might be still, it's okay. I, I've got it a lot. It's okay. Is, is they're not going to take me seriously. Like, like, that's not real ministry. Oh, of course, Hawaii. God called you. Sure he did. Like, <laughs> do church on a beach. Life's going to be hard for you. Like, blah, 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 blah. And um, I just like, I just don't want to deal with that. I'm not going to do that. And I just had talked about these saints of old. And in my mind, it was like, Hawaii's not really that. And, but we'll hear that, like, it so is that in a lot of ways. So it's incredible. But we'll talk about that in a second. But for me, I just, I, I just stopped the conversation. I was like, babe, I just don't want to. I just, I was like a little frustrated. Like, I'm not going to be that. And for me, I totally was like, you know what? And I don't know about this church planning thing either. I don't know about it. Just, you know, like when you get frustrated about one thing, you're like, okay, I'm over the whole thing, actually. Too hard. Too hard. Can't do it. So I went to bed, like, reluctant about, like, me and church planning, me comparing myself to other church planners, to the city of Honolulu, kind of just to everything, just kind of like, God, maybe you're doing something, but I'm just, like, kind of over it. A little bit. Next morning, this was March 6, 2012. Have it all written down, because when God speaks, you should write it down. Okay? Should. Um, We had a staff meeting. So the staffs of Ventura and Carp and Santa Barbara, we got together at the Santa Barbara office. And Chris Lazo, the pastor up there, was leading worship. And it was one of those moments where you just were, you know, get in the throne room really quick. You're worshiping the Lord, and you're experiencing his presence. And it's just one of those, you're not distracted by anything. You're, you're, you're genuinely worshiping the Lord. And what happened was, is that God gave me a vision. I don't, I haven't got many visions. Um, the actually, I've only gotten three. This is one of them. The other two were in this room during corporate worship years ago. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of weird to explain if you haven't had one. But it's like, you're in a dream, but you're not. But you know it's God speaking to you. And anyway, if you had a vision, you understand what I'm talking about. But this is what it was. God had taken me to an overlook uh, on Diamond Head, Diamond Head being like a volcanic crater overlooking the city of Honolulu, and I knew why he had brought me there. I have a picture of, I didn't take this picture, it's amazing, uh, beautiful, but this little hill with that little um, cement thing on it was the view or the perspective if me and Jesus were standing on that overlooking the city that way. So I knew why Jesus had brought me there. I didn't see Jesus, but it was like a peripheral vision type of thing. Like me and Jesus are standing next to each other. And I, I know why he brought me there. I'm like, and then I start telling the Lord all the reasons why we're not going to do it here. <laughs> no, I'm just complicating it. I'm not the guy. I don't fit in. Church planning, actually, I'm done with it, Lord. Like, I'm scared. This is a big, I can't do it. And I was complicating it. And in the moment... Jesus, no joke, give me his heart. It, like imparted to me his heart and compassion for that city. And I don't know if you've ever felt like when God gives you his heart for someone, it, I mean, it just changes everything. I mean, it's incredible. Um, you just, you get over yourself and you get over, over all your issues when you have God's heart for something. And he gave me his heart and he pretty much just stopped me from talking. Like I was complaining and telling him all the reasons why not. He just 
gave me his heart, and in a moment, he said, all that I want you to do is tell him about me. All that I want you to do is tell him about me. Stop complicating it is pretty much what he said. And it was so simple but so profound because it was coupled with his heart. And it was as if he told me, those are the people whom I love. Go tell them about me. And now in real life, I'm in the staff meeting weeping. I'm out of the vision. I'm out of the vision. I'm not even worshiping anymore because I'm so in awe of like what God just did. And I'll be honest, if that was the only part of the story and I said amen that would be enough for me. It was that incredible of a moment. It, that would be enough for me to move my like, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and my newborn baby and my wife to, in the middle of the ocean and start a church. It was that profound for me. But, but God did more, and we're going to hear about that in a second. But what that did this morning, was, or that, that morning, was remind me of what the Bible tells us, God, how God speaks. Acts 2.17 says, And it shall be in the last day, God says, I'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will, shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I'm still in the young category. See that? <laughs> Counts me. Just saying. I mean, you know, whatever. Just saying. Anyway. Uh, so what happened was, is that about a week later, I went over to uh, Britain G's houses with their wives and told them, and they were super supportive and encouraging, and um, just said, hey, yeah, we'll join with you and pray, and let's just see if this is God, and um, we'll, we'll just go from there. And so a year went on. year went on. And, um, we, you know, me and my wife wanted to go. She has Tons more faith than I do because she's never been there. And she already said yes to the Lord. Um, but I had been. And so I'm like, okay, I understand. But we, we went together um, in February of 2013. So God spoke to me in March in that vision. Almost a year later, we go there. And uh, we went a couple days ourselves. And then we met a handful of friends there for about a week after. And some of you guys were on that trip with me. Um, but what I will say is that God did 10 years of work in 10 days. That's what it felt like. Everything from being attacked to, to the highs and lows of working through our thoughts and emotions and feelings and really nothing that we ever expected, but, but an incredible time. And it started by getting there on President's Day weekend with my wife six months pregnant um, after a Sunday, flying all night, rental car issues, we drive into downtown Honolulu, get lost. And you know when, it, when it's really windy? For me, like when it's really windy, I'm just like, oh my gosh, the wind. Just getting confused and I'm feeling all these emotions. No, I just, I just, if it's really windy and I'm like tired or, I don't know, I just, it's not helping me. This wind is not helping. Wind. Um... It's going to be an issue on the island. It's windy all the time. Um, so we stick out the day, but we're just discouraged. We're fearful. We're just feeling all these emotions of this big city. And uh, I'm driving back to the North Shore because we were staying there. And my wife says, aren't you glad that we've only told Britain G about this? Aren't you glad that we can just kind of wash our hands of this? And yep, yeah, it was a good try. We're done with that though. And, you know, laughed and... And I said, babe, I feel the same way. My emotions are the same as yours, but I feel like God is calling us and I feel like we'd be disobedient not to. But I, I did say, hey, I'm not going back to that city tomorrow. I can't. I can't not take another day experiencing that. I need to like stay on the North Shore and read my Bible and be with Jesus and hear from Jesus and just 
recover from that. It was just really draining. Um, and so, um, you know, it's one of those mornings where I go straight to my Bible. My wife's just like kind of just, hey, I just need some time alone on the beach to just kind of, I don't know, gather my thoughts because it was really hard. I'm gonna like, hey, I'm going to get my Bible and ask the Lord to speak to me. And it was one of those mornings, you know, when you're just like flipping your Bible and you're like looking God speak. Like you like open your Bible and you're like, ah, no, not the verse I really wanted. <laughs> and then, you know, you know what I mean? You do that all the time. Like, where am I reading? I don't know. Like, ah, that doesn't really. But I will say that God did lead me to Numbers 13 and 14. And this is when, you know, God just freed the children of Israel out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, they're in the wilderness, and they get to the promised land for the first time. And this is when Moses sends out the 12 spies, and for 40 days they're scouting out, and they come back, and 10 of the 12 give this report. And the report is, the first is, it's really good. The land is beautiful, and it's, it's filled with milk and honey, and it's a land of abundance. It's everything we've ever heard about. And then it lists, here's the reasons, though, why we cannot go in. Uh, you know, the, the cities are big, the walls are fortified, the armies are large. We're just like grasshoppers in their sights. We can't do it. But then Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, said, yeah, that's all true, but God told us to go, so we got to go. And if God gave us the land, he's going to give it to us, and he's going to give us victory. And what happens is, is because of their disobedience, God judges them, and, and the 10 spies get killed right there. The whole rest of the children of Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And everyone over the age of 20 dies. I mean, it is unbelievable the cost of disobedience. But the Lord spared Joshua and Caleb. And in in chapter 14, verse 24, it says, The Lord spared Joshua and Caleb because they had a different spirit and they obeyed the Lord fully. When I, said they, when I read they obeyed the Lord fully, it k- jumped off the page to me. I wrote in my journal, have it to this day, large letters. It changes everything. Because when I, was, when I was reading this, the spies report was what I thought of Hawaii. How can you be sad about Hawaii? It's exceedingly abundantly awesome. It's the land. This is Hawaii. But I'm scared and I feel these things, Lord. And then I saw Joshua and Caleb and like, that is what God has wanted me to do. Obey the Lord fully. Ran down to the beach, and at that same moment, um, God was, you know, Zoe was praying to God. She said, hey, I didn't, you know, speak to me and stuff. And the Lord pretty much said, hey, I'm going to speak to Ryan, and he's leading you, and he, he's, I'm going to speak to him, and whatever he says, you, you need to listen to. So no joke, in that moment, right as she's saying this, I run down to the beach with my Bible and say, God has spoken to me. God has spoken to me. And I get down, and I, and I, and I, and I do a Bible study right on the beach there, and I share with her everything and uh, she cried, we cried. God once again had spoken, and this time through his word. It was incredible. It was incredible. And um, that was like day two of the trip. And so the next day, we're, we're going to the airport to pick up a bunch of our friends that are, that are flying in and, and to meet them at Enterprise Car Rental. And so we, we go there. And on the way there, the whole morning, I, I had an incredible time with the Lord. Right? God had spoken to me. But I could not shake the feeling or the thought that I didn't belong there. I just couldn't shake it. I knew God was calling us. It was clear, um, really neat. But I just, it was just one of those things. I don't fit in there. I don't feel like I'm a part of this. I just don't belong here. And I get out of the car. I see our friends and I'm helping them unload or get the bags from the car rental into the car. And it's pouring down torrential tropical rain. And I'm actually loving the tropical rain. 
Wind, I, I could be done with, but tropical rain is like, I love it. So I'm having fun getting the bags in. And Aaron Feeney, our worship leader this morning, is by the car. He's on this trip with us. And I'm loading the bags into the car, and he's there. He's getting soaked. He's like, I don't, he's not really liking the rain. I'm loving the rain. And he does not remember this encounter at all to this day. But I felt as if he put his hand on me and stopped me and says, Riz, you should live here. Actually, you belong here. And I think I dropped the bags. I dropped the bags. I'm like, I cannot believe this just happened. Because I just got out of the car, and my deepest fear was that I didn't belong there. And what God had done through this man that doesn't even remember, (laughs) which is the coolest part, God's using you, don't even know about it. Don't even remember. (laughs) Is that it just spoke to the word-for-word fear that I had that, no, I'm calling you, so you belong here. And I want to speak to that. If God's calling you somewhere, you belong there. Whether you feel like it or not, or whether other people tell you that you belong there or not, if God calls you there, you belong there. So incredible for me. We came back from that trip. It was an incredible time. We came back and we, we, we sat for another year. And at this time, you know, I was getting a little restless and I was just wondering, God is like, this is what you're doing? When is it going to be? And so um, me, Britt, and G went uh, in April 2014, we, we went on a little three-day scout trip. And this was just kind of to involve them, for them to hear also. You know, I'd come back from all these trips and been all excited, and God's done all these incredible things. And so what we did was, the first thing we did was we, we hiked up to the top of Diamond Head. I had never been there, only in that vision. And uh, here's a picture of us on there, G, me, and Britt. We had hiked up there, and I told him the whole account again, and um, obviously in, in, incredible time up there. And uh, we spent time praying and driving around, and then we actually w- went and met our buddy Trip Turner. He's a pastor of the Mission North Shore out there, uh, a church on the North Shore. And he said, you should really pray about where in the city or where in town, if you're on the North Shore, it's town, because um, the North Shore is kind of country, uh, where in town God's calling you. It's a, it's a big place. It's very different. There's a lot of different neighborhoods. You should, you should pray. And so the, the next morning, we got up and we went to this incredible overlook in the, whole, in the city uh, up on Tantalus there. And it's incredible. On the, on the far right is Pearl Harbor. Then there's downtown. And then all those skyscrapers are like Waikiki. And then there's Diamond Head in, in the background where we just were the day before. And then right down below, Britain G, are, are, is the Manoa Valley. Uh, the college, the University of Hawaii is there, and it's a, kind of a bigger neighborhood. And they were asking me, so what do you think? Do you, do you have any stirring of where in, in town God's calling you? And I said, well, not really. I don't know it that much. Um, I haven't really prayed the ways that Trip has. But I will say that as I'm praying and looking and researching and looking at maps and stuff, the Manoa Valley just has stood out. We should go check it out. But other than that, like Manoa Valley just stood out to me. So that night we go to... Uh, we go, to, we go out to dinner to a sushi place, and they're asking me, hey, how's your time been in Santa Barbara? I said, well, it's been, it's been incredible. God's been using me, and it's been super sweet to see the Lord move in Santa Barbara. But I also feel personally that the Lord's preparing me for Honolulu, that he's using Santa Barbara specifically and everything that I'm doing there to prepare me for what I'm going to be doing here. God's given me the word Santa Barbara as a training ground for here. And so... We're talking about this, and the waitress walks up, and I can tell she's from the mainland, and so I start asking her just, how, how's her time been? She's like, oh, yeah, I go to the college here, and I'm like, how's it been living here? And she says, 
Well, I, I lived in Waikiki for the first year, didn't really like it, but now I've been living in the Manoa Valley, and I love it. And she's like, I'm not sure where you guys are from, but uh, if you know of this city called Santa Barbara, it's just like that. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding? You don't know we're from there. We were just saying, and it was another one of those moments, like a speechless moment where I think we didn't say anything, and so I think she left. Like, this is, okay, like, ended the conversation. Um, and I was like, guys, are you kidding? Like, I just said Santa Barbara is for here. And she just said, this is, this part, Manoa Valley, is Santa Barbara. So we're like, we got to go tomorrow morning. We have to go. So the next morning, we drove around the valley. And it's an amazing place. It's beautiful. It's like up against the mountains there. And um, let me show you a picture. So I didn't take this picture. This is from a Hawaii Five-O episode. Uh, I saw it, and I'm like, stop, screenshot, okay. So, sorry, no copyright, I don't have. Um, so this valley, right, on three sides by jungle, is the, is the Manoa Valley. If you look right at the mouth of the valley, you see like a big white dome, that's the university. There's Waikiki and Diamond Head. And so it's an amazing, beautiful valley, and in the trees right below this, this shot is uh, the Manoa Falls, and it's an incredible hike. And at that time, that day, they were filming Jurassic World, just super fun. Like, saw Steven Spielberg drive by. We're like, Spielberg! It was amazing. It was super fun. You can see it in the movie. Yeah, it's awesome. But, you know, we're, we're driving out of the valley. And other than it being cool, right? Like, other than it being, like, beautiful and pretty and awesome, there was no, like, God-speaking moment. Until. Until, of course. Until we get to the intersection of the university. And this was, like... We didn't know really where we were going, but we somehow ended up in, like, the busiest intersection in the whole entire world. Like, where, like, 20,000 kids were crossing at the same time. It was, like, lunch break, class break, whatever it was, they were all waiting to cross. And if you know uh, our dear beloved Pastor Britt, he's just large crowds sometimes. You know, many people, you know, he has stickers on his truck, like, keep carp country, because he just likes, like living in the country. So he's getting overwhelmed. He's in the passenger seat, overwhelmed by so many people. And he just, you know, does one of his classics, like, Lord, if you want us to be here, if you want us to be here, just show us something. You know, just like, we all do that, these little prayers, like, Lord, if you want me to do it, just show me. So the moment he did that, the light changed, people are crossing the street. Now, hundreds and hundreds of people are crossing the street. And, And I'm not joking, this is not, it's as if the crowd parted. I'm, this, ask G, he'll tell you. Uh, he, a girl is walking toward our car, and that's not the way you walk on a crosswalk. You don't, this way. Walking towards the car, and on, she has a shirt on, and her shirt is a Daisy Love shirt. So this was, if you know the significance, this was a year after about when Daisy Love, Britt's daughter, uh, went to be with Jesus. And a company on the North Shore, he is greater than I, made these shirts. These, these big daisies. And it was pray for Daisy. And, and this girl walked straight through the crowd and walked towards Britt at the intersection. And all of us, obviously, were like, oh my gosh. And we, you know, went from there, went to our straight to our hotel, back on the plane, and we could not... I mean, we were kind of speechless a bit too, right? Like not really talking, just going, I cannot believe God just spoke. Because it was such a personal way. If there's, there's no more personal way that God has, could have spoken. Say, God, if you want us here, show us. I'll show you. Okay, I'll show you really personally and really intimately. And it was so, so kind of the Lord, to be honest, to be so clear about, wow, yeah, I am calling you here. We left that trip not only feeling called to the city, but really 
having the Manoah Valley highlighted. It was, it was so obvious that God was highlighting this place. And he still is. And we still um, don't really know fully what that looks like. If we're supposed to just do life there in ministry or, or just that's where we're supposed to have our neighbors and our kids go to school. I, I, don't, I don't know. But, um, but the last determining factor of this, you guys still with me? Okay, okay. So the last thing was, okay, we get back from the trip. And this is incredible. I mean, incredible time. And, and whole, a whole other year goes on. Um, and, and obviously now it's like, okay, what is happening? God, you're speaking, but what is happening? And so this was time to kind of involve the broader family, you know, all the other realities and Dave Lomas and, and Chris Lazo from reality, Santa Barbara, Dave Lomas being pastor of uh, San Francisco and Britt and I, we went, um, last August, August, 2015, we went on a trip to really determine what God was doing. And this for me was the like red light, green light, or yellow light trip. That's all I wanted to hear. Are you guys hearing the same as I am? Then green light, let's go. Or if you're not, then, you know, I was really worried. Like, I'm, I'm a crazy guy, and I've been hearing the wrong thing for years, and I just, I'm, I've been hearing the, not the Lord's voice. This is going to be really hard for me. But the yellow light, like wait longer, would have been probably the hardest one. Uh, you know, like, hey, you know what? Maybe like in 5 to 10 to 20 years maybe, but not now. I'll be like, oh, my gosh. Okay. But what happened was, is that we woke up and I told them this story, but in like a three hour form, details, more of it. And we began to pray. We had a really sweet time of of praying and asking God and waiting on God. And there was long periods of silence, just waiting for God to speak. For me, it was like more like, God, can you speak to them? Because you've already spoken to me. Um, kind of thing. But, but really, but we're praying for the city. We're interceding. We're praying for God to move, but we're waiting upon his voice. And there was a moment in one of those silent periods where Dave um, kind, of, kind of spoke. He broke the silence and he said, I feel like the Lord has made it really clear and he's given us all the pieces. He's given us the resources and the city and the guy and the call and we have everything we need. And the Lord has put all the right pieces together. And I'm sitting there going, yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord, like you're speaking and other people are hearing this and they're seeing the story and seeing how God's spoken and, and really do believe um, that, it's, that it's right. But, you know, it's one of those moments where I still needed to hear the word yes. I heard that, oh, all the right pieces are together and this is good. But, but like, is it really happening? It's been four years right now, so I, like, I need to hear a yes. Uh, same thing happened when I asked my wife to marry her. Um, guys, I don't know if you've experienced this, if your wife hasn't said the word yes right away. Um, but she was so excited that I asked her, right? She's hugging and jumping and crying and, you know, that I had to say, so so is it a yes? (laughs) I I mean, I think it is, but I just want to make sure. Can you please tell me the words? I had to ask a second time. Um, moral story, girls, just tell the guy. The guys need to hear the word. We need to hear. Even in life, guys do not know what you're thinking. We don't know. We don't have any clue. We cannot understand what's happening. Just tell us, tell us what's happening. Um, For me, I needed to hear a yes. And so we went out again that night on this trip with Tripp again, the pastor over there. And so Tripp, we've been several times. It's been a couple years. So the first thing he says at dinner is like, so so what's happening? Are you you guys doing this or not? Like, so what's happening? And I was like, yes, what is happening? What, can you tell me? And uh, it was so sweet because Dave said, 
yes. We're feeling a huge green light. We're so excited to start a church here. Um, Lazo also agreed. He's like, man, I just so strongly feel that God is calling us to do this. It's so obvious. It's the Lord. And for me, that moment at dinner, more than, more than the morning, more than anything else, was really the, the, the pivotal moment where almost the scales turned. Like it had been years and years and years of hearing the Lord. Is it going to happen? Yes, it's happening. Okay, so now let's Let's go. Let's go, Lord. And um, it's really happening. We're starting a church and pretty incredible. Last Sunday was my last Sunday at Reality Santa Barbara. And it was March 6, 2016, which is four years to the day that God gave me that diamond head vision originally. Which is incredible. Incredible how God's written the story. And it's part of his story, but, but um, how he's led us over these years. And here, here's the takeaway for me and, and for us. And again, there's, there's more to this story, but for now, God, it's so clear that God has spoken in many ways through his word and through prayer and through community and through people, so clear that we're supposed to go. And, and, that's, and that's so kind of God. That's, that's something that I've thought about over these last several years, how, how really kind God is to us. He didn't have to speak to me that way. He didn't have to lead me in the way he did. He didn't have to surprise me and, and, and do the things that he did, but he did. And I'm so thankful to God for his kindness and his grace in that. And also, he's tested our obedience and he's put us through a time of testing, of waiting and being refined and like gold being refined in a fire. He's really, he's really done that heart work in us and we're thankful for that. We've been in this process and God's really done incredible heart work. But also, I think the um, biggest, one, one of the biggest things is that God has really changed our heart and my heart into an incredible love for the city of Honolulu. You know, I told you before I was really reluctant and didn't think I'd fit in and Hawaii. And I have grown to love that city and love Hawaii so much. I am so excited to do ministry there. I'm so excited to live there. And uh, it's just, it's a God thing because those of you guys that like live in carp know that for God to kind of like remove your carp heart (laughs) is like a God thing only. Nobody can do. Who hates carp? Why would you hate carp? Um... And the weirdest thing was me and my wife went on a trip uh, just the end of the last year. And, you know, for those of you guys that live here, and I assume most of you do, uh, there's something glorious about coming home, if this is home for you, right? You're coming from LAX, and you hit, like, the stretch between Ventura and here, and you're like, I'm almost home. Thank you, God. Coming from the other way, and you're like, oh, yes. I'm almost here. For me, I get off at Casitas Pass. So I'm like, the McDonald's. The McDonald's off at Casitas Pass. I can't wait to see you from like a long trip. No, I mean, not the McDonald's, but just that signals carp. I'm off. I'm getting off the, the freeway in carp. So for us, though, and for me, this last time, I was driving down, getting off at Casitas Pass, and it was this weird feeling where this, this wasn't home as much anymore. And that, that I missed Honolulu, and I wanted to be there. And like... I couldn't wait to go back, and I missed it. And it was this incredible thing that God does in your heart that when he calls, he enables, but also he gives you a heart for that place. And, um, and he's done that, and it's been an incredible process to see God do that. And um, they'll, I'm sure there'll be more times for me to share more and vision and what, what we feel like God is doing and how he's leading us in, in, in the city of Honolulu because we've had about four years, exactly, to sit on it and pray and wait and, and dream. But what I want to do this morning is I actually want to do something a bit different than a normal Sunday. I actually would love if you would join me in, 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 in corporate prayer. 
turning to one another and praying for a few things. Number one is, I'd love if we could just start by praying and interceding for the city of Honolulu. Like, let's go for it. God's calling us. It's our story. It's not only mine. It's us as a church and as a family uh, doing this. And we believe that God is moving and desires to save. And so, guys, can, I'd love if we're, we're going to do just about 10 or 15 minutes total. And then we're going to worship a few songs. But I'd love if for about five or 10 minutes right now, we, we pray for Honolulu. And it's, it's, it's a million-person city. It's got all the problems a big city would have. But also there's some, there's some real, you know, tricky and, and complicated history, obviously. And there's tons of different nationalities and cultures that are, that are there. And, um, man, there's, there's a lot to pray over when it comes to spirituality and drug issues and uh, prostitution, and I mean, it's the gamut. So be led by the Holy Spirit to pray and intercede for Honolulu. And then I'll come up and I'll transition us the time to pray for one another. And here's why I want to do that. I'm, God's God, and he's all got plans for us. And there's many of you in this room that are being called to, to go to someplace. Many of you are called right where you are, and you're struggling with that. And we're all called to whatever we're called to. And I want us to just pray for one another for more courage and more trust and more obedience in where God has us. And for some of you, God has spoken and it's just you needing to step out. So let's, let's pray for that. And again, you don't have to learn how much time, so you can't go super deep. But just say, hey, pray for me because I feel like God's leading me in a new direction. And then let the Spirit lead. But uh, can I pray for us and then can we do that? Can we uh, join? Yeah, corporate prayer. Sweet. God, thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you give us your word and you said that your word would be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And that is, I I can say, God, that has so been true of my life. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit and you lead us by your spirit. Thank you that you're God and that you're our good shepherd. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray now that you'd give us insight of how to pray for this city that many of us might not even really know about. But you just give us insight of how to pray. Pray that people get saved and set free and redeemed and transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And then also, Lord, we do want to be mindful that all of us have a story and it's a part of your story. And we want to pray that we would be obedient to your calling to discern your will. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, hey, uh, turn to a few people next to you and uh, first introduce yourself. Secondly, start praying for the city of Honolulu and then uh, we'll transition in about five or ten minutes.